So it's great to see everybody. I want to start tonight. First of all, let's, let's take a couple of testimonies of what God's up to, what God's doing, and I always like to take an EDM or two and just say, so we can say, yay, God. So Michael, get back here with you. I'll bring this to you. Thank you. We, um, I just found out from Amelia, our youngest daughter, who's living in Anchorage now, um, she's had been having some car problems with um, the car not wanting to go out of park. So if you can't get it out of park, you can't go nowhere. And I know that's bad grammar, but anyway, so um, she'd had people look at it and they go in and boom, works right away. So anyway, finally it just stopped and she kept trying for days and days and getting rides and doing Ubers and finally got it, um, somebody got it out and so they took it into the shop and she left it on Thursday and she found out today it was what she thought it was when she was doing Google research. It was just the switch that um, the electronic switch that when you press on the brake, it tells the rest of the car that the brake's on. So that will release the thing to come out of park. And the, what we've been praying for was it was only $150. <laughs> That's a miracle these days when you get a car looked at, right? That's great. It's great. Anybody else? EDM, what's God up to? good. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've had some incredible testimonies come back since Sunday um, as we brought our whole family up to, to talk and share. And uh, it's been amazing. There's been a lot of tears shed, people calling us crying and saying, you know, I feel safe. Thank you for saying it. Thank you for going there. And I've had people in their 70s tell me and tell Annette today, I've been in church my entire life and I've never seen uh, a pastor or a family or, or been in a church environment where people are actually talking about real issues. This, this is the stuff we live with every day. And I'm thinking... That sad, and I wasn't raised in church, so I didn't have a lot of that, those filters. So it saddens me to think that people can go their entire life to church and not ever address the, the stuff that's really going on. Because it's like we want to come and put this veneer on that everything's okay. We look good, we smell good, we dress up and all that. Everybody's fine, you know. But it's not the truth. And it's not that everybody's in crisis either, right? We who are in, in a good place need to be able to shoulder and help and bear the burdens of others, right? So it's not like everybody's in the pit. But when one suffers, the scripture says we all suffer with them. When one rejoices, we all rejoice with them. And so we've, we've just got to get past some of, the, some of the filters and the fear and the shame that has been in, the, in a religious culture so that we can actually address this is where people live. I love the title of the show, This Is Us, because it really, it's This Is Us. This is, and we need just to be okay with that. And that doesn't mean we go around throwing up all the time, right? I mean, we know it's, it's not a woe is me world. It's a but God world. And that's, that's what we tell people. We're a but God family. Yeah, we've had this stuff happen. Oh, but let me tell you how good God is. Let me tell you how amazing he is. Let me tell you what he's done. Let me tell you how he's pulled us out of the pit and put our feet up on the rock, you know, on a solid rock. So it's not just living and swimming in woe is me. It's how amazing is God. So I want to always be clear with that. Yes, ma'am. This concerns the nursing home where I volunteer. 
Uh-huh. Oh, closer? Okay. This concerns a nursing home where I volunteer. Uh, Tuesday, we had, yesterday, we had our, our Bible study class. In, okay. There you go. Oh, oh, thank you. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Jimmy. Uh, and anyway, I wanted to tell you about a little lady in our class. Now, I know she's not, I don't know how to put it. Her mind is, is wanders. And, but she was sitting there listening to us discuss. And for some unknown reason, God had me change the, the commentary that I've been using. And I went to my old standby, J. Vernon McGee. I love that guy. And so we, we did it. And I, what I do is I take the chapter and I type it up in the computer and print it off for everybody in the class. And they can take it back to the room and read it more. But they have to have a Bible because I don't put the Bible verses in. But anyway, we were talking about it and Sonny from here was in the class with us as well as uh, um, Kim's mother, uh, Marcy. Anyhow... And so this lady stopped me, and she said, Charlene, I have a question. I've been told by my family that I am a bad person. And she said, I want to know, am I going to heaven? And so I said, I stopped, and I said, okay, let me ask you two questions that are very important and she said, okay. And I said, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? She said, yes, I have. I said, honey, you're going to heaven. And I said, have you been baptized? Has you, have you been submerged? And she said, yes. I said, that's not going to save you. But it shows that you are following Christ. So anyhow, she said, well, will you explain something that you just read to me? So we stopped the lesson and went into J. Vernon McGee as well as my Bible commentary. And when she left class, I asked her, I said, honey, are you comfortable now? She said, I'm happy. I know where I'm going. And that was Jesus working. That's right. That was Jesus working through you. Just receive that and just thank you, Lord. Yes, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. This Sunday, we had a lady that's a friend of ours come up to us before service and say this was her first time here and that she's from a Catholic background, hadn't been to church in over a year. And I said, well, you're going to enjoy yourself today because I knew what was coming. And after church, she came up to me and she said, that was the most wonderful thing I'd ever heard. We'll be back next Sunday. <laughs> so, praise God. Amen. Amen. Just so you know, we're going to have Chris, my son, who pastors down in Houston. He's going to be back in September to preach and do Sunday services. So I'm glad you got a little taste of Chris because I'm telling you, just be ready to go deep because he is a powerhouse and uh, just super proud of him and watched him and remember when God called him to the ministry and we had those conversations and just to watch him develop and grow through the years and, and navigate his own storms and navigate his own wilderness. Um, just, uh, man, 
just so proud of him. So it'll be a, he'll be a treat. And I wanted him, I was glad he was able to come because we had to work around that to try to get him here because he pastors his own growing church. And, and, um, I tell him, I said, I want you here because I want to introduce you to our church because you're going to become a family member of the church, not just not just us, but I want him to become a friend of this family. So anyway, I, I, it'll be it'll be great. So um, and we'll be doing a series. We're going to parallel Oak Hills is going to be doing, even though we make the turn September 1 and we'll be a.k.a. something church. Oh, he's coming in November. Okay. All right. I'm glad the count my calendar person helped me with that. So he'll be here in the fall. So, um, but anyway, we're going to parallel because Max has been talking to us about he has a desire to teach on the Holy Spirit, and he says, you know, we've never done a specific series. We did Awestruck this last fall, but that was a that was more the miracles of Jesus in the Book of John. He says we've not done a series specifically about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And so um, he said, we're either going to do that or we're going to do something on the end times. I said, if you do it on the Holy Spirit, we'll go with you. <laughs> if you do it on the end times, we're going to do something else. But I said, that was my little input. And he, and so we, we talked a lot about it and he prayed about it and he really felt like it was time to roll that out for Oak Hills in general. And he actually said, my biggest regret, one of my biggest regrets in being at Oak Hills all these years is I've never gone there with the Holy Spirit. And he said, it's time. And I said, I'm with you. We're in. So we're going we're gonna to parallel and go along with them on that series, even though at that point we will be on our own. We don't have to, but I said we're still family, and uh, you know, you, our DNA is still apart. And, and so what we're going to do is we strategically plan sermon series for the next few years as if Oak Hills is doing something that fits where we're going and fits where we're tracking, we'll go with them. And if not, we'll do what God tells us to do. But it's going to be neat to partner with them now from uh, from a little bit different vantage point, where we're we're partnering with them and we're in with them, as opposed to, you know, we're we're a part of them and what they do, we do. So now it's what we do. Now we get to do. We do it because we want to and because we want to be a part. So it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to do a whole. So tonight, right now, what we're about to do is we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in the purple book, and um, I want to go ahead and, uh, is Russ, you up there? You're good to go? All right, let's go ahead and pray. Chapter 4 of the Holy Spirit, if you have your purple book, go ahead and turn there. We'll, we'll do what we've been doing. We'll lift some of the commentary out of there, some of the, the little points out of there, but we're going to go there some scriptures as well, and uh, one of the most important things we can talk about, and I always say there's a lot of important things, is the person and work of the Holy Spirit, but remember what we're doing is we're laying foundations for new believers in Christ, and for those who've been in Christ for a long time, but never really had any foundations built. And so some people try to build a house on bad foundations, and we all know that doesn't work. And so we're going back and relaying deeper foundations, and uh, now the privilege is, is, and the expectation is, is as you are going through this and you are now understanding how to use this, you can take other people through this. And that really is the goal. And so it's not just have you done the Purple Book, or are you doing the Purple Book, and are you taking somebody through the Purple Book? And I've got the privilege of doing that right now. It's just been a joy, a joy to do that. So let's pray together as we get started. Father, thank you so much for testimonies of your grace, testimonies of your work. And Lord, we thank you that you are at work, that you are the God that 
the God who spoke, who still speaks, the God who moved, who still moves, the God who acted, who still acts. And we're grateful for that. Father, as we immerse ourselves into the word, I'm asking that you would immerse this word into us. Father, we know that we leak out what we're full of, and we want to be those who leak out the life of the Scripture and the life of your Word and the life of hope so that those that we walk with, those who come into our orbit, those that we live with, work with, and play with, Lord, can see the light of Jesus inside of us, that our life would be so compelling that people have to ask, what are you doing different? Why are you not like the rest of the people around here. So Lord, give us the grace to, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, so let our light shine that, that we glorify our Father in heaven. That's our heart. Father, I'm asking, we're going to be talking about the work and person of the Holy Spirit tonight. Would you, Holy Spirit, I'm asking a favor, would you open our eyes that we may see in our ears that we may hear our hearts, that we may know the truth that makes us free. And so we lean into this tonight, and I say, Lord, give us the spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of who you are. And Father, as we get to know who you are, we also learn who we are, because we are who you say we are. No matter what the world says, or the mirror says, or the echoes and tapes from our past say, you are who we are who you say we are. That's who we walk in, and that's our identity. We honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Chapter 4 of the Holy Spirit. If you have your, your uh, book, go ahead and go there. I want to read this, this quote from Francis Chan. Every time I read this quote, I, I get another piece of it. We reduce discipleship to a canned program, and so many in the church end up sidelined in a spectacular and a spectator mentality that delegates disciple-making to pastors and professionals, ministers and missionaries, but this is not the way it's supposed to be. The idea that the staff or the hired guns, and then you're here to come and watch and cheer us on and write checks, come on, really, really? And I love one of, our, one of my favorite values at Oak Hills. In fact, it was one of the values that when I saw it, I knew it was that was part of my DNA confirmation. It was a DNA match when I saw this on the website, and it's every believer a minister. Every believer a minister. Every one of us are equipped. I had somebody who said to me one day, in fact, recently, he said, well, pastor, I've heard this. Is it true that everyone has at least one spiritual gift? I said, oh, you have a lot more than that. I said, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. That means you've got everything. He, you got the full meal deal. You got biggie sized. When he came to take up residence in your life, you get the full meal deal. Remember that when you drive up to some of these fast food restaurants? Could we biggie size that, you know, for 35 cents? You go get the mega 44. Listen, when you step into Jesus, you get biggie sized. You get, you get an upgrade on everything. So I told this person, this precious person, because it was an honest question. I said, oh, oh no, you don't get one. You get them all. You have the potential as a follower of Jesus to literally manifest everything Jesus is. Everything Jesus is. Alan Hurst talks about the apes. That's Ephesians 4. And it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, because it, it's hard to pronounce apept. So shepherd and teacher. And so those five 
offices, those five gifts to the church. And the bottom line is, is that every one of us have the potential to bear every one of those. We may have a leaning toward one more than the other, just in a natural way, but we're not called to just live a natural life. We're called to live a supernatural life. That means who he is, we have dwelling in each of us, right? Paul even said it, that the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells mightily in you. So we have everything he is, which means we have the potential to bear every gift of the Spirit that you read in all the lists in the Scriptures. And there's a bunch of them. 1 Corinthians, Roman, Ephesians, there's all these gift lists. And it's not just, I'm this or I'm that. We've got to be careful that we don't over-identify ourselves with one. Well, I'm this. I'm that. And it's like, what we do when we do, do that, we actually limit ourselves so that's like saying, I, I'm only this. And as a follower of Jesus, I'm this and all that. So you could literally say, I'm all that in a bag of chips, right? I, I've got the full meal deal. And I'm telling you, that's a powerful thing because you're going to be put into situations as a follower of Jesus that you're not going to have the answer readily in your mind. It's going to be beyond you. In fact, when most people come to me and they say things like, gosh, I don't know, I feel like I might have a calling or a dream, but it's so big, there's no way I could ever do that. And I'm going, oh, this must be God. That has the fingerprint of God on it. Because if he's just telling you to do something you can easily do or naturally do within your own natural gifting, I'm not saying that's not God, but that's not a God-sized dream. That's not a God-sized adventure. He usually calls us to things that are just beyond us. Why? Because we need to be independent, live dependently on him so that we can do what he wants to do, not what we... Amen? Does that make sense? So he's always stretching us. Stretch and grow. That's what a baby does. Stretch and grow. Stretch and grow. Stretch and grow. And that's what we're doing. So this whole idea of every believer a minister, don't let that blow your mind. Just let it... Just say, wow. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you, Lord that you would qualify me. My talents don't qualify me. My abilities don't qualify me. But I tell you what does, it's your availability. That's what qualifies you. Would you say to God what Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Here am I. I'm here for you. And he'll qualify you. You don't qualify yourself. He will qualify you. Amen? Does that make sense? All of you are well able. Say, I am well able to do everything he's called me to do. There you go. See, it's a simple declaration, but it's true. Making disciples is far more than a program. It's the mission of our lives. I don't want to skip over that too quickly. Making disciples is the mission of our lives. There's something that happens when I sit down with somebody and we do discipleship. Something gets energized in me and something gets energized in them. Why? Because we're living on mission. And when you're living on mission, like right now, y'all know Coach Bill, he come, usually comes here on Wednesday nights. They've just finished their school year. We meet at 5.30. Oh, not my favorite hour of the day. We meet at 5.30 on Thursday mornings to do the Purple Book. We meet in the field house over at Fredericksburg High School. Have y'all been in a field house lately? Do y'all remember what that smells, smells like, boys? <laughs> It smells like boys. It still smells like... I walk in there and I'm having flashbacks to post-high school. I kid you not. And, and I have to clear off the desk because it's a coach's area. And I have to grab a chair that's got 15 jerseys in it to sit in. And I laugh every time I go in there. But you know what? I don't care. 
I don't care what it smells like. I don't care what I'm sitting on. I don't even know what I'm sitting on sometimes. I don't care because I'm on mission. And it does, all of that is irrelevant. I'm telling you, when the church gets on mission, all the stuff that we bicker and whine about goes away. You just don't care if they're too loud over there. You don't care if a wall gets marked up by a kid. You don't care if the AC's not working just right or the sound's messing up on us. All you care about is the mission. Most of the stuff we whine about are first world problems anyway. Can I get an amen? We're just spoiled rotten here in America. So we've got to get over that stuff. And if we get on mission, none of that matters anymore. You won't care. As long as you can be on mission with him and be doing what he's called you to do, and that is to make disciples, every one of us. So the most joy I get is when I'm in a place where I get to make disciples, and I just go, this is why I was born. This is what I was created for. That's the mission that we're on. Amen? Making disciples far more appropriate. It's a mission of our lives. It defines us. We don't define it. It defines us. A disciple is a disciple maker. Being a disciple of Jesus means that we are being transformed into his image. God wants to change us so much that it intrigues others. That's what I keep talking about, living a compelling life. So let's move on. Chapter 4, lesson number 1. This is the introduction to that. Matthew, chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist. By the way, he wasn't a Southern Baptist or a Northern or American Baptist or a Primitive Baptist or whatever. There's 37 flavors of Baptist. And I know because I was one. He was a baptizer. He came baptizing, so he wasn't a Baptist per se. It's funny how people actually believe that sometimes. So he says this, I baptize you with water for repentance. That's for that turning. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That word with also is the word in. It's the word in, in, with, by, for, through. It's all the same word. I like to say in the Holy Spirit, not just with. Because it sounds weird to say you're going to be baptized with water. No, you get baptized in water. Does that make sense? It's a semantical thing. It's a grammar thing. But I, I, I like to say in because that's what it is. It's immersion into. Immersion into being overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. It's the same word. And fire. Ooh. We might, might need to have a conversation about this fire thing. That's an interesting thing. Now, Peter in Acts 2.38 says this, Repent, there's that word turn again, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness, another translation says remission, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Kai is and in the, in the Koine Greek, and it links whatever it's linked to. It brings things together. Repent and be baptized. Here, it's, re it's linking this. It says, be baptized, repent and be baptized. Then this, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive. It's linking all of these together. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he's linking the Holy Spirit in line or in chain with, it's almost like chains on a, links on a chain coming together. Steve? Yes, it is. Isn't that beautiful? 
going to talk a little bit about that as we move through this chapter, that the grace gifts of the Holy Spirit, remember these are gifts of the Holy Spirit, not gifts of your flesh. Don't you love teenagers? I have no idea why they're dripping wet. I don't even want to know right now. <laughs> At least they're not on fire. Hallelujah. So that's a good thing. <laughs> and you will receive the gift, the grace gift of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, this is on the next slide. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his disciples to go back to Jerusalem and wait Go back and wait. They were about to receive an amazing gift, and that was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It says of, it's in, baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's actually Robert Morris who talked about that. You know who Robert Morris is? Pastor at South Lake, uh, uh, South Lake um, Gateway Church there. And he talked about that distinction. And he'll, he's, he'll admit he has the worst grammar on the planet. He's from East Texas. He talked like this, you know, because he's from East Texas. He says, we have the worst grammar. It's even worse than West Texas. He makes a joke about that. But he says, but I do know my Greek. And in, my, in the Greek, he says, we, we need to always remember, we're talking about being baptized, immersed into the Holy Spirit. Again, may sound like splitting hairs, but it's important. It's important because it sets up the way you think about the Holy Spirit and your role into the Holy Spirit. So I hope that makes sense. Acts 1, 4, and 5. We've, we've covered a lot of this, so I'm going to go quickly. A few days later, during the Jewish festival of Pentecost, the Spirit came. Remember, he came upon. And he didn't come quietly. He arrived in wind and fire. Suddenly, the believers began speaking in other tongues. And in that instance, it was other languages. Jews from all over the Roman Empire had gathered in Jerusalem for the festival. And each of them heard the believers speak to them in their own language. That's the miracle, the manifestation of the gift of languages in a missional or a missionary setting. Amazing. I love that account. And then on through the book of Acts chapter 2, which we've covered in detail before, then Peter got up to speak. And it also says that he stood with the other disciples. They all stood together, kind of a show of solidarity. We were uh, in the Senate, uh, at the Senate on the floor recently, and what was interesting, when someone would come to the podium to present either opposition or for as they were debating bills in this last session, the other um, senators in the Senate would come and stand with them to show uh, support. They would just come around them and stand. They didn't do anything. They just came to stand, and it was a show of solidarity. So if somebody was standing there and one person was with him, it wasn't that impressive. But when 30 people got up and came and stood with him, that, that was a strong statement. We saw that happen. Uh, it wasn't necessary for something I was excited about, but anyway, it was a show of solidarity on their point. So when he got up to speak, they stood. He reminded the crowd that hundreds of years earlier, the prophet Joel had predicted that God's spirit would come. Peter proclaimed Jesus' death and resurrection. Remember, it was the first gospel, clear gospel message. The crowd, cut to the heart, responded, what shall we do? And then look what happens. Peter said the proper response would be to repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So again, this, this one of three of the Trinity, triunity, the person of the Holy Spirit was to be received as a gift. In other words, it's impossible to live the Christian life apart from the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. 
From the moment we're born again, God's Spirit supplies the power we need to be a consistent witness for Christ. If I didn't believe that, I don't know that I could have remained a Christian through some of the stuff we've been through. If I didn't believe there was something larger and bigger going on, if I believed this was up to sheer grit, faith, and determination, that if I just have to pull myself up by my own bootstraps, cowboy up, get her done, uh, that we would not have made it through some of the things that we've been through. We would not have come out on the other side. We wouldn't be up here laughing and smiling and cutting up with our family if we didn't believe that the Holy Spirit is active and activated in our lives, knowing that there's much more going on than meets the eye. Amen? Does that make sense? He supplies the power we need to be a consistent witness for Christ. So, going into the lesson, if you have your book, you can look there. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? A lot of this we've covered a lot of. We're going to spend more time in the fall. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. We're going to move pretty quickly through this. John 14. Just, let's just read the scripture. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. That word also means comforter, helper counselor. Do you need a counselor? There's one available. Do you need a comforter? Do you need comfort? There's a comforter available. Do you need help? There's a helper available. Amen. Does that make sense? However you need him, he's available to you. And I often use this language as I'm praying and I'll say, I need, I need comfort, Lord. I'm having a day, I'm having one of those days. I need comfort. Would you send the comforter? Lord, I need help. I need to make a decision. I need to figure this out. Would you send the helper? Lord, I need counsel. I need wisdom. I need a word of knowledge. I need a, I need a word of understanding. Would you send the helper to help me? And I pray, and I actually use that terminology in my prayer, in my prayer time. So he says he'll give you another counselor, comforter, helper to be with you forever. How long will the Holy Spirit remain with us? Listen, the Holy Spirit is not, you know, he's likened to a bird. You do understand he is not actually a bird. He's not a dove that's flitting around, and then the moment you have a bad day, he flits off in fear. He's not fragile. It's, it's interesting how we, in our minds, sometimes think the Spirit of God, the anointing of God, the presence of God is fragile, and if we say the wrong thing, he'll flit off like a bird. It says he descended like a dove, not, he wasn't a dove. It was, it was just using a metaphor to describe what they were seeing. Uh, they saw tongues like flames of fire. Were there actual tongues of fire? They don't know. All we know is that it was the best way they could describe what they were experiencing. And so we have to be careful that we don't suddenly dis, dis, decide that, and I've seen, you know, the Holy Spirit dove on flags and banners and signs and bumper stickers and t-shirts, and I'm like, that's cool, but but the Holy Spirit that I know is a warrior and he's the power and presence of Jesus on the earth who's active today and he kicked Satan's tail all over hell before he came back up and, and, and gave us the keys of the kingdom. Amen? That's not a little bird flitting around. I'm telling you, he, he's the original man up guy. So I, I have no problem likening the, the presence and power of God as not, not a feminine bird, but actually the power and manifestation of God. I mean, hey, if you have to, go to Charlton Heston standing up as Moses with the, with the raw, I mean, the power of God at work. 
so, but sometimes we feminize these things and we, we turn it into something and all the men check out and go, uh, okay, that's great. You know, put that on a pillow or a t-shirt. But listen, he's the power of God at work in this earth. He's a force and he's the force to be reckoned with in this world. Amen. And so that's what I see when I read about the Holy Spirit. I don't think of this little dove flying around that if we get too, if we, if we don't hold our tongue just right, he's going to flit off and because he's fragile. He's not fragile. One of the ministers that we used to enjoy, um, Greg Burson, he's this crazy guy from Auckland, New Zealand. He's a, I call him the surfer prophet. And when he came and minister, he was wild. And he could get away with it because he has a great accent. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knows if you if you got an accent, you're more anointed, right? No, I'm kidding. But I mean, really, he just pulled off this wild, crazy guy. And he would oftentimes, in the middle of deep, intense ministry, just look at you and wink and laugh. Because he understood that the anointing of God, the presence of God, is not fragile. But we've treated him like that. The Holy Spirit is a force. If anything's fragile in the, in the midst of the anointing and the power of God, it's us. It's not him. Like that right there, that scream, I'm hoping that was a good scream. You know, liability issues, HR, all that stuff. Risk management runs through my mind when I hear things like that. But we're fragile. He's not. And that kind of thing doesn't scare him off. Amen? Does that make sense? I know I'm beating, I hope I'm not beating a dead horse here, but I just want you to know, we don't have to hold our tongue just right and talk in hushed tones around the presence of God. He's not going anywhere. He is with us how long? Forever. He's not leaving. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the Holy Spirit has left the building. I remember having an old deacon shake a Bible in my face one time, and he said that when I brought my guitar into the church service, it was a gold-top Gibson Les Paul. I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> but anyway, he said, it's a Les Paul. And so when I brought my guitar, he said, when you brought that guitar in, he said, the anointing left. Here I am, a young Christian. I just want to worship God. We're on the kind of the cutting edge of contemporary Christian music back in the early 80s. And we, I'm telling you, we caught some flack for bringing Rebecca, you up there dancing around, you would have been booted out. I'm telling you, you'd have been gone, girl. And I love your passion. I love your heart. But, but you would have scared so many people back then, back in the early 80s. They just, they weren't ready for this. So guys like me, came in, you know, you know, brand new follower of Jesus. I don't know any better. I wasn't raised in church. And so we're bringing our instruments in, and, and I'm getting told that, that we, we scared off the anointing. Steve? Now, I've been there too. There's a Bible word for that, Ichabod. <laughs> the, <laughs> God has left. He is deserted and gone. I, we have all been in those places. But I'm telling you, he will, he is patient. Oh, he's patient because he believes that none should perish. He desires that none should perish. So we're not going to scare him off because we don't hold our tongues just right. But we will scare him off if we are in unbelief and we deny him. It won't scare him off, but he, he can move on. So, so there is an issue there with belief. But that's not this. So look what happens. John 14 so I'm going to give you another counselor, and he says he'll be with you forever. The spirit of truth. I love that name. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now look what he says. But you know him. 
You know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Isn't that beautiful? The Spirit of God takes up residence in me, in this jar of clay, in this earthen vessel. What an amazing truth. I love that. Number two, what are some ways the Holy Spirit helps the believer? I put a couple of scriptures out of that text here, Matthew 10. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Isn't that amazing? I have depended on that many times, stepped into situations and scenarios where I did not know what I was going to say, and that's where I have to say, wait a minute, I'm not here to please God, I'm here to trust God. So Father, I trust you according to your word that you're going to give me what needs to be said in that moment, and he is has never failed to show up. He has never failed to show up. Now, that doesn't mean when we were, when we were in uh, preaching school at, uh, at Howard Payne, I remember the professor reading that scripture. He said, now, this does not mean that you don't have to study, boys. He said, God can use a sharp axe a lot better than a dull axe. He said, so you need to sharpen your axe by study and hard work and diligence. Then you'll have a sharp axe for God to use to cut down the trees. It's a great metaphor I'll never forget. So he was like, this is not an excuse to be lazy. You know what I'm saying? So, and I did pray many times for, Lord, I know I haven't prepared for this test, but Father, would you give me the words that I need right now? It didn't work. So I'm just saying... The anointing was not there for that. So what are some ways the Holy Spirit helps the believers? He's going he's gonna to give you what to say. Look at John 14, 26. But the counselor, there's that word again, helper, counselor, comforter. Same word. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Look what he says he will do. He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever been in a scenario talking with somebody, and you haven't actively tried to memorize Scripture, but a Scripture comes up in your mind? You know what that is? It's not you being smart. It's the Spirit of God tapping into your RAM, your random access memory. The whole, it's all there, and the Holy Spirit just knows how to get it out and how to pull it out. It's there in your gray matter swirling around somewhere. It's rutted in, but he pulls it out at that very moment. And a lot of times in counseling and situations and prayer, sometimes in prophetic air, uh, situations and circumstances, things will come out that I didn't actively try to memorize, but it's there because I've read it many times or I've heard it, and here it comes. That's the Holy Spirit working. Yes, ma'am. Well, then look what it says, Miss Charlene. It actually says that. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. It may be where your keys are. Listen, I think God cares about everything, frankly. And when I lose my keys, guess what I'm doing? And a lot of times around the house, our little running thing is, well, have you prayed about where your keys are? I mean, we'll have... That back and forth. And sometimes she checks me up and sometimes I check her up. But we'll actually say, oh, wait, no, I didn't. I need to stop and do that. It happened just recently. Well, I always say, okay, Papa, I'm turning it over to you. Where'd I leave 
There you go. There you go. That's it. And you know what? He will. Hey, Derek, what's up? I cannot, I cannot recall, but maybe the Lord will bring it to one of our minds because I can't off the top of my head. I, I know that scripture you're talking about, but I don't, I don't, I love that passage. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. And that's the beauty about him dwelling in us. We have an ongoing conversation with him. You can talk to him all day long. He's present with you and in you, which is amazing. You can have that ongoing, uh, Brother Lawrence called it practicing the presence of God. Others have called it other things, dwelling in his presence, abiding. But we get to be with him on an ongoing basis. Number two, what are some ways the Holy Spirit, it's the same question, but I, I said several verses. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Isn't that amazing to know that he is going to guide us into truth? Have you ever come up against something you go, I don't know if I believe that or not. I'm not sure if that's accurate or right. Lord, guide me into this. I'm going to trust you and lean into this. That's why I don't get fearful. Um, I like to read broadly. I don't just read people who think the way I do, speak the way I do, articulate things the way I do. I even have on my Twitter account, I built a list called Edgy Faith. And these are people that I would consider on the perimeter, but these are sharp people who love Jesus. But they may believe things from a, on a broader spectrum than I do, but they challenge me. Listen, I'm not afraid of that. That's why we don't need to be afraid to enter the arena, but a lot of Christians want to stick their head in the sand and say, no, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. I don't want to hear it. I don't, it scares me. I, I, it may shake me too much. But listen, some of us need our theological boat rocked a little bit. Because some of us need to be shaken out of our dogmatic slumber so that we can begin to bring, think. So not be afraid to think. Why? And here's why I'm not afraid. Is that he will guide you into all truth. If I'm abiding in him and, and resting in him, I can go to him and say, Father, I, I, I just read this and it really challenged me to my core. Is this true? Is this you? And listen. Listen. And he will, he'll speak to you. It says he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. This is the Holy Spirit speaking what he's hearing from the Father. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Whoa, that sounds a little bit prophetic. That the Spirit of God is going to let you know things that are coming. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine. And look what he does. He makes it known to you. The Holy Spirit in us isn't trying to keep secrets from us. Now, the things that are guarded and the things that are hidden are not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. Do you hear that? The things that are guarded that we don't understand right now are not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. And as we grow and mature, you do know there are things we probably don't need to know yet. 
We don't have the maturity to handle some things. And the Holy Spirit knows our, the timing of this, and he reveals things. That's what the word revelation means, to reveal, peel the layers. So they're not hitting from us, hidden from us, they're hidden for us. And we, and the Bible says, it's, it's, it's the glory of kings to search it out, it says in the scripture. So there's, there's this kingly thing that we do when we search and seek after truth, and he begins to peel back the layers for us. I remember Dr. Frankie Rainey, my Greek professor, we would want to know a word. Dr. Rainey, what does that word mean? He goes, uh, you're not ready to, hand, to carry that yet. And he likened our growth by carrying different size suitcases. So he'd say, you're not ready to carry that suitcase yet. That suitcase is bigger than where you are right now. And we'd all go, oh, you know, we really want to know. He's a great professor. But he would talk about that we'd get larger bags that we could carry and bear the weight of as we grew in the languages that we were learning. Steve, you had something? Isn't that beautiful? And look how that coincides with this. This is what I love about Old and New Testament and how they, they complement one another. Not in opposition, they complement. Look at this. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. God's saying, saying the Holy Spirit's going to reveal things to you. And so that's the beauty of discovery. How many of you enjoy getting something new? Some of us enjoy it more than others, right? We get new stuff all the time. But we, there's something about that new smell, that new experience, that discovery is exciting. Or you meet new friends, and you're going out for the first time and hanging out, and you're getting to know each other. There's a discovery phase. It's exciting. When you're walking with God, everything's a discovery phase. That's why I'm joyful and alive and excited, because I'm learning things constantly, and no matter how much I've learned at this point, there's more to be learned. So you live in this perpetual discovery. The very thing that you enjoy about stuff and things, you get to live in that perpetually in Christ as you're growing because he's making it known to you. It's an ongoing experience. Acts 1.8, we're all familiar with this one because I beat this one into the ground. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And here's another one, Romans 8.26. I love this. This is another role of the Holy Spirit in intercession. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf, in you, and through you? Some of you are going, how? Just say wow on that, because you're not going to wrap your mind around this. So listen to this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I love that. Verse 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is a bomb. This is thunder in your soul. He, the Holy Spirit himself, because I don't know how or what I ought to pray, because I'm going to pray selfishly. Lord, here's what I would like for you to do. In fact, I think this would work. You know, I'm going to offer suggestions. I don't know if y'all pray like that or not. I'm probably the only human in the room who kind of tells God how to do that. So I try to help him sometimes. But here's what it's saying. We really don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself in us 
in relationship with the Father, is interceding on our behalf and praying the will of God on our behalf. That means there are times when I want to check myself out and I say, Holy Spirit, I know you're interceding on my behalf right now. Thank you. Have you ever just stopped to thank him for that? Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for praying on my behalf. And thank you that you know the will of God and he knows your mind, the mind of the Spirit. And because of that, y'all are in lockstep with one another, even though I may not be. But you in me, we are in lockstep. And because of that, I can lean into and trust that you are praying the will of God. And here's what I know. When the will of God is prayed, the will of God will be worked out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. For me, praying in a prayer language is the easiest way for me to check my brain out of it and get out of the way and allow the Spirit of God to, to pray himself. We've talked about that in here, and I know it's one of those, ooh, those scary, but really, I'm not afraid of getting in the arena here. So there's a way to pray. I remember my Southern Baptist professor saying, if you ever say this out loud, I'll deny it, but I believe totally in the gift of speaking in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. It's biblical. I can't deny it. And this was a Greek professor. I cannot deny the Scripture. And he said, I haven't engaged it myself, but I cannot deny that this is what the Scripture says. And, we're, of course, we're all really curious then. Like, what do you, well, how do we do that? I mean, so that, that started a sort of a hunger. And then for many of us, we were able to discover that gift and enjoy that gift and employ that gift. And I, I do every day, every day. So you're not the only one around here. So now I, I'm selective where and who. I don't, I don't, that's, that's between me and him. That's none of y'all's beeswax. That's between me and God. That's my language with him. But here's the deal. When I enter into that place, it's the easiest way for to switch my logic off and rest and allow him to pray. And I trust him because of this scripture. I trust him. John 15, fruitfulness and this is just, this isn't the scripture, but it's describing John 15, 1 through 8. We'll read it. This is switching gears from the spirit of the Holy Spirit to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Fruitfulness is an important theme. If you're looking in your book, it's chapter 4, lesson 2 in that intro piece. Fruitfulness is an important theme in the Bible. The picture of how a grapevine is maintained is at the heart of Christ's teaching on our spiritual lives. These vines were not left alone on the ground to be trampled and to grow wild. A fruitful vine was lifted off the ground and constantly cared for by an attentive gardener. We're going to see that in the scripture in just a minute. It would be absurd to think of a branch growing that was separate from the vine or a vine being fruitful and beautiful without constant help from the gardener. Now we live in wine country here and when you drive up and down 290 you see vineyards and and everywhere. My gosh, like new ones every day. I mean, they're, they're building them as fast as they can. But I'm always fascinated at how those vines are tended and how they're taken care of. And they're stunning and they're beautiful. This time of year, especially with the rain we've had, they're all just full 
don't know if you've noticed lately, but we, we drove out that way, we drove to Austin last yesterday afternoon. And so we were out that way and, and just how beautiful they looked and how full. But, but somebody is tending those vines. Those don't just happen. Those don't just grow on a trellis or on a on a wire on a on a fence just by accident. They're they're carefully tended. Look at this. They need constant help from the gardener. John fifteen one, and he says this: "I am the true vine." This is Jesus, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Let me just say something about this. He cuts off every branch. It actually in the Greek says he lifts it up. And I remember, um, gosh, it was David Wilkinson did a brilliant job on this. But it's not just that he's cutting it off. He's actually lifting them up because he talks about how the gardener, when a branch would fall to the ground off the trellis and onto the ground, it would be in the dirt and the mud and it could not produce fruit. And so in order to preserve that, they would lift that out of the dirt, out of the mud, clean it off, wash it off, and place it back up on the trellis. And that's what he's saying here. Now, he will talk about cutting off in a minute, but that actually means lifts up. He lifts up every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it. Again, that's caring for, and, and it's called Lessons from the Vine is the name of that little booklet that I'm remembering. Verse 3, you are already clean. There's that word clean. Why did he just bring clean in? Because when he talked about lifting it up, a first century Jew would read that and go, oh, he cleaned it off. He cleaned it off. We think immediately, we, we go to judgment. Oh, he's cutting it off. He's cu- no, he's cleaning it off. He's cleaning it off. Now, he will talk about cutting something off here in a sec, so, so you'll see what I'm talking about. But the reason why he refers in verse 3 to clean, because he just talked about clean in verse 2. But we don't translate that well. So he lifts up every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch he does. You are already clean. You've already been lifted up. You're already, because of the word I've spoken to you. Jesus referred to, or Paul referred to, the washing of the pure water of the word. About how the scripture, the word of God, the message of Christ actually washes us clean. All this metaphor being used, the metaphor of a vineyard. Verse 4, he says, remain in me or abide in me and I will remain and abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. All of that makes perfect sense to me. We have to stay connected to the vine. And then he says again, as he said earlier, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Now now he's talking about a totally different thing here. It says, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire. This is a branch that is completely detached. What he was talking about earlier was a branch that's still attached. It had just fallen off the trellis. So you just clarify that in your mind because it's so easy to default to judgment here. Thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He's talking about staying and abiding in the vine, staying connected to the vine, because that's where the life is. It's in the vine. Jesus said if we remain in him, he will bear fruit. But what does this mean? Not long after Jesus' resurrection, the apostle Paul described what kind of fruit 
a spirit-led, obedient life produces. Now, let me just read this, and we're going to call it a night, but I, I want to get these out, these nine fruit of the Spirit. And you've heard me enough, and I'll reiterate what I always say about this. I love this passage. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and there's nine of these, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. The reason I think these are critical is that a lot of times we get caught up in the gifts of the Spirit, but we miss the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit is the, is the word, my, my grandmother, would, my granny would always say, produce. Go get the produce. What would she tell me? Go get the vegetables and the fruit. Go gather the fruit and the vegetables. Get the produce. So it was always produce. So when I hear the word fruit, I think about produce, that which is produced, or I think about product. So when I think in terms of the fruit of the Spirit being the product of the Spirit, the produce of the Spirit. Does that make sense? And here's, I take it another step. It's also the proof of the Spirit. So, the, but the proof of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Where there's an absence of these in someone who names the names of names in the name of Christ, I say there's an absence of the presence of the Spirit at work in that person's life. When a Christian's mean, brutal, cutting, judgmental, critical, huh? Arrogant. Yeah, we can go on, right? This is a long list. We'll stop with those. That tells me that the product the produce, the fruit, and the proof of the Spirit is not in that person. They're not operating by the Spirit. They're operating in the flesh. Doesn't mean they're not a follower of Jesus. Just means they're not following Him in that moment. Practically. By the proof, by the fruit, by the product. And so this is critical. And so... I don't like to say, well, as long as I'm prophesying, then, I've, then I can do anything else. As long as I'm, you know, as long as I'm, I'm bearing the gifts of the Spirit and I'm having words of knowledge and I'm speaking in tongues and I'm prophesying, I'm doing all this stuff, then, then the, the fruit doesn't matter. The fruit's the character and nature of Jesus. And if that's not present, don't show me a gift until I see that you have fruit. Now, I've, I've had some mean people. I've worked with some mean pastors, I'm telling you. I've worked with some guys where I'm like, I don't see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. I'm telling you, it's a tough place to be. And yet God said, nope, I put them there to knock your edges off. So you submit and you, you be obedient and you bring honor. That's a whole other thing we can talk about. So let me finish with this. God's Holy Spirit no longer dwells in buildings of brick and stone. He dwells in us, in people. We are His temple, and we show that we are His temple when we exhibit the fruit, the proof, the product of the Spirit. The you in 1 Corinthians, this is interesting, the you in 1 Corinthians is plural. Maybe that's because it's hard to practice virtues like love, peace, patience, and kindness on your own. When no one else is around, it's easy to be loving, right? <laughs> hey, woo, I'm patient. Nobody's around, you know? Nobody's testing my patience. Do you know God gives us family to sharpen all of these things? He didn't give us family to make us happy. He gives us family to train us in righteousness. Amen? That's right. It's the truth. He gives us marriage. Why? 
so we can live happily ever after or so we can sharpen one another into a fine razor's edge. And you do know sharpening doesn't happen apart from sparks, right? You ever sharpened a blade on a grinder? It sparks, heat, the clashing of metal. That's called marriage. Hallelujah. Amen? And if we lean into it, it sharpens us. It sharpens us. If we fight it, it kills us. It destroys us. Look at this in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about, this is plural, the you. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? He's not talking about just the individual. He's talking about all of you together, collectively. We are the temple. It's not this building. We're grateful for the building, right? It gives us a place to gather. But it's not the building isn't the church, even though we use that metaphor, we use that language. We are the church. We're the temple of the Spirit of God, the presence of God. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? He doesn't dwell in buildings that are made with human hands. He dwells in his people. Isn't that amazing? Amen? Let's all stand together. Next week, we're going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this before in depth, but we're going to cover it in here too because, again, our goal is to take people into a place where they can get equipped to win in life, equipped to make disciples themselves, equipped to live as overcomers and victors in Christ. And so that's why we're covering all, some of these things we've covered before, we'll just keep doing it. We're laying deeper foundations. So uh, as we're here, be thinking to yourself, okay, I'm hearing this, I'm learning this, I'm doing the purple book. How, how do I do that with somebody else? Okay, so that's what we're doing. That's the goal. That's the end game here. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the privilege of the study of your word. And thank you for the, the, the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our counselor, our helper. And thank you that you allow us these jars of clays to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're grateful. It's a mind blower. We're not even going to attempt the how. We're just going to say, wow, and thank you for allowing us to carry your presence, to carry this treasure. I pray for all my friends and family here. Would you encourage them this week and that they would leave this place and leak out life on every person they encounter. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen.